How you doing, brother? Downtime's the worst, isn't it? <laughs> Adrenaline leaves and your mind just starts to wander. Yeah. I haven't thought about my family once tonight. Thinking about them now. Up here in the middle of all this. Thinking about my girls, man. And thinking, what would they say about me? He died in a place he didn't need to be. In a battle over something he doesn't understand. In a country that meant nothing to him. I get it, okay? You go to them. I know what it's like to be in a place like this. Let another man raise your children. But I was young and I was giving myself to something bigger. Jack, that something bigger's gone now. that clip from the movie 13 Hours of Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I watched it last night for about the sixth time. If you guys haven't seen it or you haven't watched it more than once or if you haven't watched it taking notes and watch all the little the little subtle scenes in there that tell you exactly what was going on and uh, and understand all that stuff. What an amazing movie and if you have seen this movie and understand what you're looking at there's just no way you could vote for Hillary Clinton, knowing that our country turned its back on Americans in trouble. And uh, there's some great scenes in there that I couldn't play, but I, I but I noticed this this one. You know what? Uh, hey, when I was younger, I gave myself I was giving myself to something bigger. That something bigger's gone now. That's a very that's a very sad sentiment, and uh, just moved me. It moved me. There's so much stuff in that movie. Go see it. Uh, get it on DVD, but uh, but when you're at the movies, don't look for it because it's not there anymore. You should be looking for Hillary's America. Um, so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about why you shouldn't vote for Hillary, and uh, and later this hour we're also going to talk about talk about uh, the movie Hillary's America with the guy who made it, Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, but before I go any further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located in the city of Moreno Valley, also offices in Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of your real estate financing needs all over California and Arizona. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and that's refinancing real estate, that's buying real estate, that's uh, that's reverse mortgages, anything you need, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to hear something, if you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone for one reason or the other, uh, go to edhoffman.net. Click on apply now. Give me as much information as you want to give me and let me know how much information you want back and you'll hear back from me or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampius, uh, Alex Rojas, Eric Marquez, or uh, you don't know the other guy yet. 
Um, uh, so I'll wait till I'll wait till he gets in the office for a couple of weeks before I before I uh, sick him on you. I got to get him trained into uh, how I like my customers to get taken care of. Um, if you want, if you hear something you want replayed, you can also uh, you can also go to edhoffman.net, click on uh, play, listen to the main event, or you can get me on iTunes. Go to iTunes and search the podcast Ed Hoffman or the main event, and you'll find me. And then you could uh, subscribe for free, have it download to your uh, one of your devices, anything. Get i i uh, iTunes on your phone or your computer or your iPad, your iPod, and uh, Download it for free once a week and listen to it anytime you want instead of having to wait for me to play on the radio. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, I tweet about current events all week long. And you can go to, you can see our Facebook page, The Main Event 590. And uh, let's see, what else am I supposed to tell you? Uh, if you want to hear, uh, check into my opinion con- opinion columns, iebusinessdaily.com. Um, so uh, also, uh, just like last week, just like last week, to help me out, I have in the studio my buddy Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes, and uh, one of the one of the greatest political commentators uh, in America now. Uh, I launched him, so uh, I remember him when he was just uh, selling bikes and trying to trying to figure out how to how to how to make a good deal on rental ha- rental properties. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ed. I owe it all to you. Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> so uh, so uh, I thought this week. Since uh, for those of you that saw um, Chris Wallace's interview with Hillary, um, which I guess was, would you call that a press conference? Um, no. Well, that's like one person interviewing her. I'm actually almost surprised she went on, you know, I know really. on Fox. And you yeah. know, Chris Wallace is a sharp guy. Um, you know, what? He, but he actually actually answered questions in the Fox studios and which is the first time in, you know, 240 some days, but not exactly a press conference. But I guess. With Chris Matthews, we'll call it that. So, uh, but I saw it, and she's just such a blatant liar. And especially if you've seen uh, Hillary's America, the movie, which if you haven't, you need to go see it uh, and go to Hillary'sAmerica.com. And we're going to talk about that with uh, with uh, Dinesh D'Souza in our second half. So before we get to him, though, let's talk about let's talk about reasons why you should uh, want to uh, uh, spread the word to not vote for Hillary. But let's talk about this this uh this interview i got a, we got a bunch of clips they're in no certain order they're they range from uh from uh, her opinion on gun control to immigration to uh the economy to Benghazi, Benghazi right emails. emails let's just let's just uh let's just go for it and we'll just comment on them dan let's go with uh whatever clip you want to play first one of the most dramatic moments in the republican convention was when pat smith the mother of sean smith one of the people who died in benghazi stood up before the convention and blamed you for her son's death. I blame Hillary Clinton personally for the death of my son. That's personally. She and the father of Tyrone, Tyrone Woods both say that on the day that their son's bodies were returned to the United States, that you came up to them and you said it was all because of a video, not terrorism. Now, I know some of the other families disagree with this, and I know you deny it. My question is, why would they make that up? Chris, my heart goes out to both of them. Losing a child under any circumstances, especially in this case, to State Department employees, extraordinary men, both of them, to CIA contractors gave their lives protecting um, our country, our values. I don't hold any ill feeling for someone who in that moment 
may not fully recall everything that was or wasn't said. Well, why don't just call her a liar? You know, she didn't really answer the question. She just said, uh, just said, uh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, blame them for not remembering that that's not really what, what I said. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of like when she was under sniper fire in Bosnia. Exactly. You know, and then it was like, oh, I was just tired. Um, and by the way, the exact comment that apparently she made too was, we're going to get the guy who made the video. I don't know if that guy's still in jail or not. That guy was in prison. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I think he still is. Is he? I we don't hear any more about that just, guy. Just like, the, just like the doctor that helped us... Uh, 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 find Osama bin Laden. Right, he helped track the DNA that led to uh, us locating, or and, certainly confirming the identity that it was bin Laden. And how did the guy responsible for killing Osama bin Laden with his bare hands, uh, Barack Obama, how is he How's he uh, thanking this guy for helping us track and track down and kill? Uh, left him in prison. Yeah, that, that's, it's one of the biggest tragedies of the Obama administration, and certainly there are many, but to leave that guy languishing in prison and it's in Pakistan, that guy's, who knows what that guy's going through, Ed? I, you can't imagine. Exactly. So let's go to the next clip. One reason that people question your account, and this gets to the important question of trust, is because that day at Andrews, you n never talked about terrorism. You, you talked about the video. We've seen the heavy assault on our post in Benghazi that took the lives of those brave men. We've seen rage and violence directed at American embassies over an awful internet video that we had nothing to do with. No, that's not, that's not fair. If you go back and read everything that I said that day, I quoted uh, people who talked about it being terrorism. I had already said it was terrorism. There was no doubt it was terrorism. I think there has been a confusion in the minds of some, and exploiting that confusion for the uh, advantage I mean, I the, of I others. I quote here where you say... But look at everything I said. Because, and, and this goes back to the, all the investigations that were carried out. There were riots, there were protests, there were efforts to breach our embassies. Yeah, but not in, in Benghazi. That wasn't what that was about. No, but I'm just telling you, we were looking at the whole world. The whole world was aflame. Well, they, they couldn't save the whole world, so they weren't, you know, they weren't really concerned with the guys who were in trouble in Benghazi. Um, because they were looking at the whole world. Well, the whole world is still in flames, Hillary. And the only confusion, I think, is in your mind as far as what you actually said. The one thing about this video, too, I mean, I knew from the moment I heard the video story, because it was on 9-11, I knew it's like, wait a minute, this is baloney. This, this, this has nothing to do with what just happened. This was a terrorist attack. And, and this story is like, it's like made up by school children. It, it was so dumb. Um, but even if it was, Ed, even if it was a video, it's almost like saying that, oh, well, well, they had a good reason to do it because of our, some, some guy makes a video and it was awful. We had nothing to do with it. Like, like that's, in other words, an excuse uh, to make it okay. It reminds me of uh Reminds me of when you're a kid and you get in trouble and you say, well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't mean to do it. It just happened. <laughs> kind of like Hillary's emails. Exactly. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. If, if you, and again, if you've seen 13 Hours, realize that all those lies that Hillary said were the next morning when she realized, oh my God, I messed up. Or maybe she didn't, didn't figure it out. Maybe she did it on purpose. Let's go to the next clip. The emails. Yes. I want to ask you about 
just one aspect of them, and that's what you told the American people. I did not email any um, classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified materials. I am confident that I never sent nor received any information that was classified at the time. I had uh, not sent uh, classified material nor received anything uh, marked classified. After a long investigation, FBI Director James Comey said none of those things that you told the American public were true. Chris, that's not what I heard Director Comey say, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, in my view, clarify. Director Comey said that my answers were truthful and what I've said is consistent with what I have told the American people. Can you say delusional? That's not what I heard him say. She starts to laugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, listen to this woman. She's beyond being a, a pathological liar. We're talking like in the realm of being a sociopath. I mean, it's like listen to O.J. Simpson talk, Ed. Yeah, he's, uh, he's convinced himself he really didn't kill Nicole Brown. I think she's convinced herself that she's actually uh, telling the truth. I know, like, uh, yeah, like the bullets in, uh, the bullets in, uh, what's that, uh, Croatia? What did you the sniper fire. Sniper fire. There we were, ducking them sniper fires. Serbia. Till we all watched the video and there was no snipers, Hillary. There wasn't even a, 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 a pop. There was like nothing. There was you and, and your daughter waving to people, getting off the plane and calmly walking into an airport somewhere. That's, that's what actually we saw. With all the little kids around him. Yes. Okay, let's go, the next, let's go to the next piece. That there were decisions discussed and made to classify retroactively certain of the emails. I was communicating with over 300 people in my emailing. They certainly did not believe and had no reason to believe that what they were sending was classified. Now, in retrospect, different agencies come in and say, well, it should have been. But that's not what was happening in real time. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's the truth. I think that's. Uh... That's not, I think that's a bold-faced lie. Well, see, the, the interesting thing is how she spins. She is a master of spin, Ed. You got to give it to her. And and again, she's what she's saying is, well, it wasn't top secret at the time. Then they came back and made it top secret later. So in other words, they couldn't figure out whether it was top secret initially or not. They and figured then, it out later. And then we, then we uh, go to the next one. But in a congressional hearing on July 7th, Director Comey directly contradicted what you had told the public. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails, either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. Secretary three, Clinton three, said three, I did three, not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? Now, there was classified material emailed. He directly contradicted what well, I, you said. Let me just, just yeah. he not only directly contradicted what you said, he also said in that hearing that you were extremely careless and negligent. Well, Chris, I looked at the whole transcript of everything that was said. I relied on and had every reason to rely on the judgments of the professionals with whom I worked. And so in retrospect, maybe some people are saying, well, those among those 300 people, they made the wrong call. At the time, there was no reason, in my view, to doubt the professionalism and the determination by the people who work every single day on behalf of our country. Well, I think she just uh, unloaded it on her people, and her her people testified that uh, that she was the one calling the shots. Well, but, she she blames it on everybody else. Yeah, it's like, hey, I had every reason to believe 
that they were telling the truth when they told me to do this. It's, it's interesting. You almost have to really follow what she's saying because it's easy for you to just get lost in the BS. And then I pulled this. I pulled this clip from the uh, this next clip from the uh, from the hearings, the Benghazi hearings, when uh, when uh, James Comey, FBI director, uh, made his comment, and in re- in reference to where she says, "Well, at the time, these weren't classified, and you know that they were gone back, and in retrospect, they decided, oh, these should have been classified, you know, but at the time, it was something different." I was surprised that. Um, that um, Chris Wallace didn't clip this, didn't use this clip in his and on his TV show. But let me use it from the group of thirty thousand emails returned to the State Department in two thousand fourteen. One hundred and ten emails in fifty-two email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. Eight of those chains contained information that was top secret at the time they were sent. 36 of those chains contained secret information at the time. And eight contained confidential information at the time. That's the lowest level of classification. Separate from those, about 2,000 additional emails were upclassified to make them confidential. Those emails had not been classified at the time that they were sent or received. Did he say at the time, like five times? Yeah, pretty much. And he, once again, here's where we listen to Comey lay out the case as far as why Hillary Clinton should be indicted, and then he didn't do it. Nah, that's uh, that was a disappointment. So you know what? It's uh, it's complete, it's complete delusion. And uh, you know what's you know what's scary is that the people buy this, they buy the this lies, and they just oh look, that's not true. Didn't you hear the story? It was you know they classified it afterwards. And that's not really, that's not what James Comey said. In fact, that's not even close to what he said. He said exactly the opposite. Let's go to the next clip. At a fundraiser last year, you said this. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Now, in the 2008 Heller case, the court said that there is a constitutional individual right to bear arms. What's wrong with that? Well, I think what the court said about there being an individual right is in line with constitutional thinking. And I said in the convention, I'm not looking to repeal the Second Amendment. I'm not looking to take people's guns away. But I am looking for more support for the reasonable efforts that need to be undertaken to keep guns out of the wrong hands. And, and, And the Second Amendment includes an individual right to bear arms. Yes, but that right, like every other of our rights, our First Amendment rights, every right that we have is open to and even subject to reasonable regulations. Uh, based on who's, uh, based on whose decision there? That's the key phrase, Ed. It's open to regulation by whom? By Hillary Clinton and the leftists. That's So yes, you have those rights, but... It's open to regulation and maybe even interpretation. Exactly. I thought that's what the uh, Supreme Court was for. Uh, yeah. Um, so obviously, look, bottom line, folks, she wants to take away your guns. Exactly. And, uh, and all they want to do is make laws. I think this next clip uh, covers a little bit more. Donald Trump says he wants to make America great again. Well, he could start by actually making things in America again. A man you can bait with a tweet 
is not a man we can trust with nuclear weapons. Here is a guy you say is unfit to be president. Why is this election still so close? Too many Americans feel, Chris, like they've been left out and left behind by our economy, by our government. I understand that frustration and, and frankly, even that fear that some people feel that, you know, it's just not working for them and they are looking for answers. I think the kind of inflammatory answers that Trump has provided, blame somebody, blame immigrants, uh, blame Muslims, blame women, blame somebody, uh, is um, attractive in the first instance to people who are looking for answers. but. What I'm counting on, what I believe, he has offered nothing to help people. I believe we have put together an agenda to increase jobs, increase incomes, make our economy grow and be more fair, uh, which is going to appeal to a majority of Americans. Yeah, uh, I don't, you know, that's a, that clip had a lot of stuff in it. You know, uh, when she's referring to the, hey, we should uh, start by making something in America. If you're going to make something... You're going to make America great again. Uh, start by making something in America. She's referring to uh, Donald Trump's uh, ties and shirts and and various uh, uh, companies he owns that make stuff outside. You know what she doesn't understand is that Trump's a businessman. And when the regulation is so high in America that it costs too much to to do things in America, part of the part of what Trump's plan is, as I understand it, is to come back and make America more business friendly so we can compete by making things here. Right. No, absolutely. And I've certainly I've seen it happen in the bicycle industry as well. Ed. I mean, there was a lot of American manufacturing at one point in bicycles. It's just not the case anymore. And it's kind of sad. And we've given it away. Exactly. Let's uh, see if we have uh, time for another clip before. We just found out that GDP growth in this last quarter was 1%. It's the slowest economic recovery since 1949. And you're offering tweaks, not a dramatic shift. Well, I think what I'm offering uh, are proven uh, results. I think what I'm offering is that we can build on where we are. We've dug ourselves out. We're standing, but we're not yet running. I'm not happy with the status quo. I've said that repeatedly. But, but you're offering more government programs, well, but more, let's, more spending, let's, let's look, more no. entitlements, more taxes, no. more, ta more, more tax penalties and credits. Well, but, but let's unpack that. What I'm offering is the biggest job creation program since World War II, and I hope to be able. But it's infrastructure. That's what Obama did. But he didn't get to do enough, and he didn't get enough support from the Congress. It took years this time under President Obama to do something. We've got roads, bridges, tunnels, ports, airports, water systems, all failing all being less than efficient in a time when we want to lift our economy and take on the rest of the world. And we've got some new challenges. We need a new electric grid. Yeah, let's think of some other things to spend money. Let's just spend some money because our roads and bridges and ports are falling apart. I noticed uh, I drove over a bridge on the way here over the freeway. Did it collapse? Uh, no. It did. Okay. And I'm tired of hearing about bridges. Bridges and infrastructure. Let them fall. Exactly. Let them fall. What you know? What how you create jobs is make uh, make America friendly, uh, business friendly to businesses, and let businesses create jobs that actually create products that create 
tax uh, jobs and taxpayers and the tax money, then you can spend the, the tax money on the uh, on the roads and bridges and infrastructure. Correct. What she's later. not talking about is developing wealth. What she's talking about is taking taxpayers' money and spending it on things, but that doesn't actually create careers. It creates work, temporary work, but it doesn't create careers. It doesn't create wealth, and it doesn't create. It, where does that money come from, Ed? For uh, all this stuff, uh, uh, our taxes. That's right. For That's those right. of us that pay taxes. That's right. For about half of us. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, maybe less than half of us. Uh, but the, you know, they, they, she doesn't understand that they're not building industry. It's just building jobs temporary. Let's just kick the can down the road. Let's spend some more money and keep us in debt a little bit longer. And we're mortgaging our, our kids and our grandkids future. Here's another one. I'm looking for ways to start a national infrastructure bank. Seed it with federal dollars, but bring in private investors who want to make those commitments. I believe that America is ready for this, Chris, because we need to rebuild our infrastructure, which will create millions of jobs and lay the foundation for many more millions to come. Yeah, look, I mean, again, what is she talking about? She wants to develop her own little bank account. It's a, what's this, is it going to be a new bank account for her infrastructure projects? And where did and it come from? She's going to seed it, and she's going to seed it. With federal money, meaning your money and my money. That's what exactly. that means. Exactly. So let's cut through the crap and get right to it and tell like it is. Up, oh, are we out of time for I, part I think, one? I think we are. We need someone that Damn, uh, I was just actually started. Uh, spend, spends our money like it was theirs. So we'll be right back with uh, part two of the main event. Don't go away after five minutes of uh, weather, traffic, and commercials. We'll have uh, Dinesh D'Souza on with us. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We don't talk mortgages too much on this show, but if you want to talk mortgages, if you need to refinance or purchase or get a reverse mortgage, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. So we've been talking about the uh, the Hillary uh, interview with Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday this past weekend. And uh, in here with, uh, with my buddy, Scott McAfee, as I often am, and we're talking about this stuff, and we've got a uh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza is going to come up, and we're going to talk about. It. But before we do, we had one more clip we didn't finish. Let's uh, let's listen to this last clip. Let's talk about the Clinton Foundation and allegations of pay to play. The the argument, the allegation that foreign companies and foreign countries either donated big money to the foundation or paid your husband big money for speeches in order to influence your work as Secretary of State. In the first 12 years after he left the White House, President Clinton made 13 speeches for which he got $500,000 or more. 11 of those 13 were while you were Secretary of State, and they were all paid for by foreign interests. Are we to believe that's just a coincidence? Well, there's just no truth to any of these allegations. I'm well, very, I mean, it is I, true that well, they gave, that they did make these speeches. He, they all were by foreign interests, and he was getting much bigger speaking fees. He got, he, he gave speeches as soon as he left the White House, all the way up until the last year. And he spoke all over the world, as well as throughout America, to all kinds of groups. But let's get to the, uh, the nut of your question. I'm really proud of the Clinton Foundation. And there is absolutely no connection between anything that I did as Secretary of State and the Clinton Foundation. Um, so people can say that, but I'm proud of our philanthropic uh, work. I'd like to see Don, uh, Donald Trump's tax returns to find out how much philanthropy he's ever done. 
Yeah, I'd, uh, I would uh, probably like to compare. I'd like to see the Clinton administration stuff. But, you know, just like uh, in the movie uh, Hillary's America, part of the scam, deny, deny, deny. Well, pretty much. And what I think it was like, is it 10% or 15% of money that goes into the Clinton Foundation actually goes to charitable causes? 10%. And you'll also notice at the end of the, end of the well, I don't think we had it part of the, the way that clip was clipped, but she talks about how, how the millions of people that have AIDS drugs because the Clinton Foundation negotiated a, a contract to get it affordable. They didn't buy any drugs for these people that needed it. They they negotiated a contract to make it affordable so they could buy their own. Nice. Well, that was kind of them. Uh, also, the, of course, the IRS this just came out a couple days ago. The IRS is now investigating the Clinton Foundation. Where do we think that investigation is going to go, Ed? Uh, probably the same place that the FBI investigation. Oh, oh ye of little faith. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's uh, something better there that's going to come of that. Uh, let's, let's hope. So, uh, shall we bring on our guest? Let's do it. All right. On the line, we have uh, the author and, uh, and uh, let's say documentary. I don't know what all your qualifications are, Dinesh. We've talked before and, and uh, I've read your books and I've seen all your movies about 400 times each, except for the, uh, except for the new one I've only seen once so far. Because uh, it hasn't come out on video, but uh, Dinesh D'Souza, well, welcome to our show. Hey, it's good to be on the show, guys. So, uh, so we went. We've seen your seen Hillary's America. It's uh, an excellent job. Um, the history of the Democratic Party, and uh, and I'm I'm curious. When did you did did this did this evolve really from your uh, from your prison stay? Yeah, I did. And it was also kind of a way of thinking about, you know, four years ago, I made the movie on Obama, and that movie focused just on Obama's secret history. Um, but Obama is so detached from his from his country and even from the Democratic Party over the past eight years that I just focused on him. With this movie, I realized that Hillary is a different um, character, and she is the head of this progressive movement. She's the head of the Democratic gang and so I said, let me make a movie about the gang, how it got started, how it began its rackets, um, and a trace, if you will, the whole unknown history of the Democratic Party that's been so beautifully covered up by progressive historiography. So this movie was a kind of almost like an intellectual detective story that begins with Andrew Jackson in the 1820s and then brings us all the way to the present to Obama and then, of course, the, the Bonnie and Clyde operation that we know to be the Clintons. Yeah, I know that uh, when I saw the movie Lincoln, that I that seemed seemed kind of subtle. That not everybody who watches it watches and catches all the little things. And as you saw, saw the Republicans are pushing for the Thirteenth Amendment, and I just don't think that people today are even aware of that kind of stuff in our history. Oh gosh, I mean, if you went to people today and said, "Guys, which is the party of slavery, of segregation, of Jim Crow, of the Ku Klux Klan?" of lynching and of opposition to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, they would almost uniformly answer the Republican Party, which, of course, is the opposite of the truth. It's really the Democratic Party, with the Republican Party being the party of anti-slavery and emancipation, the party that fought segregation, the party that tried to block the Ku Klux Klan, and the party that voted in much greater uh, proportions for the Civil Rights Act uh, of 64 and the Voting Rights Act and the Fair Housing Bill than the Democrats. Sure. Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, I, I read your book, uh, Stealing America. I also saw the movie based on the book. Um, if you were to tell our listeners, why do they need to see, why do they need to read this book and see the movie? How would you, how would you best express that? Well, books and movies are two totally different things. Uh, you know, a book is an intellectual exercise. It's an argument and it's supported with a lot of data. 
So certainly, I think the book is a very useful handbook. It equips you. It gives you a lot of intellectual ammunition, puts a lot of arrows in your quiver. A movie is an experience. I mean, you go to the movies, I think, not even for messaging or for education. You go to movies for entertainment. And so we've made this movie like a thriller. It doesn't feel like you're watching a typical documentary in which you have talking heads blabbering all day. No, this is a movie that you kind of, it pulls you in. Your The scenes have to do with history. They have to do with prisons. They have to do with the Clintons. Uh, and so we intersperse very relevant contemporary footage to show who these people are, what they do. Um, and so the movie is thrilling. I mean, at the end of this movie, in theaters across the country, people will stand up and applaud. People have tears streaming down their face. I mean, they, they leave the movie and they're a little changed emotionally on the inside. And I know, and I noticed that uh, if you stay till after all the uh, all the credits, there's one little scene that a lot of people in the theater I was in didn't get to see. What was the scene? Well, that's just me. To, you know, I'm talking to the immigrant uh, Hispanics that I teach now as part of my penance, my uh, my penance for a technical violation of the campaign finance laws, and I. I, I say to them, how will you know? How, how does an immigrant know when you have become uh, an American? And the answer is, and I mean it half facetiously, I go, well, you'll know when you become a Republican. And they all break into thunderous applause. And so we, we, we sort of save that line for the very, very, very end of the movie um, after the Gatlin brothers do their, their, their terrific closing song that runs with the credits. That's what I mean when I say the movie is a lot of fun. It says humor in the movie. It's, it's got a detective story element to it. It also being, since Hillary's a subject, we couldn't steer entirely clear of the genre of horror. <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, that kind of leads me to my next question. Dinesh, obviously you're kind of iconic and very popular among right-wingers because you kind of took one for the team. I mean, you were incarcerated for eight months uh, for supposedly, or you actually you gave too much money to a political campaign, uh, something that most people get a slap on the wrist for. And it was obvious that you were targeted for your political beliefs. Uh, and, what, and, and I got to laugh because what's the first thing you do when you get out? You write another book and you do another movie bashing the political left and i'm thinking boy this guy dinesh he certainly doesn't learn his lesson does he but i guess the question is aren't you kind of concerned about further rep- retribution i mean what if they got video of you jaywalking and next time it could be 10 years to life oh boy yeah i know what you mean i mean the clintons are basically gangsters and so uh, it would not be above them to do that uh, but on the other hand think of it this way if the producer narrator and creator of the movie hillary's america were to disappear who would be the prime suspect <laughs> You'd think you'd think Hillary, but you would think uh, you would think that our country would would have been smart enough after watching uh, 2016 to not reelect Obama. Well, you know, I think that's a that's a movie that's worth watching now because we made predictions in that movie saying, you know, if we're right, Obama will do this and Obama will do that and Obama will double the national debt and he will weaken our allies and strengthen our enemies. And it's almost eerie. It's almost creepy to see how those predictions have come true. I think that gives me the confidence to do this uh, big predictions about Hillary. Although I think Hillary is a little different character than Obama. Um, the, Obama is an ideologue. At the end of the day, his ideology is, is warped, it's twisted, it's, it's destructive, but it is an ideology. With the Clintons, I think it's, this is more of a, a, a money-making operation. It's an effort to create, to, to, to accumulate money and power. And the Clintons have been on the take since the Arkansas days, continuing in the White House where they were, you know, renting the Lincoln bedroom, lifting pictures off the wall, stealing curios, uh, you know, selling pardons to big time racketeers and felons and tax cheats. Uh, And then, you know, it all continued with Hillary as secretary of state. I I expect we we will have much more of the same if she's 
given the ultimate levers of power in the Oval Office. Well, yeah, and you know, and I think we have to give props to the political left, Dinesh. I mean, let's face it, they own like 95% of the media. They own almost about 95% of education. They own Hollywood. Um, I mean, and combining all those things, I mean, that's worth 10 points in any national election by itself. So you almost have to give them props for achieving what they've achieved. Bottom line question to you is how do we actually beat them? Well, first of all, you're quite right that not only does the, uh, do they have the um, academia, Hollywood, and the media, and not only is that an election advantage, it's also an advantage in spinning your story about who you are. Uh, the Democrats have taken a lot of the bad stuff that they did, starting with slavery and continuing all the way with sympathy for fascism in the 1930s. They're the ones who interned the Japanese-Americans during World War II. They take all this bad stuff, and then they blame it on someone else. It wasn't us. It was the South. It wasn't us, it was America. You know, America did this or America did that. But no, America didn't do it. You did. So, so I think uh, you're right. This, the, the Trump and the Republicans are up against it. It's a difficult election. It's going to be a hard one to win. And no time to be cocky. And I think our movie is important because what it does is it blows up the moral capital that the Democratic Party relies on. The Democratic Party relies at the end of the day. Yes, Hillary may be shady. Yes, she may be a pathological liar. But we're the party of the little guy. We're the party of minorities, of blacks, of Latinos, of immigrants. Now, none of it's true. And that's why the, the movie is important, is it blows, and, and it blows the lid. It exposes, ultimately, that this is a party that's based on subjugation, larceny, theft, and murder. Yeah, I know. Uh, what, tell us, did you watch, did you watch the interview with uh, Chris Wallace this weekend? Oh, my gosh. What an exercise in pathological deception. I mean, when Hillary with a straight face says things like, well, I think James Comey and I are in complete agreement. And he fully agreed that I, you know, I did not know that there was any classified information. I mean, this is just like bald face lying. And so, you know, look, we've had, you know, we've had liars and crooks in American politics before. But generally, we didn't know in advance. We found out that they were crooks and threw them out. With Hillary, we already know. So I agree that with Trump, you've got some question marks on the, the Trump door has some question marks on it. But the Hillary door is marked a known crook. And so it's going to be really interesting to see if the American people choose to walk through that door. And, well, and go ahead. Well, I was going to say, speaking of which, what do you think of Trump, the candidate? He's a flawed candidate. And there's a lot about him that isn't known. I mean, I like the fact that Trump is a patriot. I like the fact that he's unabashed about his own money. Uh, I mean, uh, I also like the fact that he doesn't go into the fetal position while campaigning, which is sort of traditional Republican style. In other words, if you punch, he punches back. Now, I think sometimes he's a bit loose-lipped, and then sometimes he's a little reckless with words. But, you know, he's also getting a bum rap. I mean, if Trump uh, folds his arms and looks to the left, you know, that makes him Mussolini. Um, you know, if Trump calls some guy a Mexican, that's insensitive, but insensitive is not racist. That, that's that's correct. I think uh, I think people are focusing on the wrong things. I think uh, that Hillary Clinton in her in her interview just I think I think she knows that America is just stupid enough to buy her her confident way she just lies. Even when they say Both the Clintons are like that, they're they're completely pathological. And 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 the marriage I, I go into their marriage in the movie and also in the book. It's a very thick uh, pact, uh, and it's, it's not the, what people think. People think, well, you know, Bill's a slanderer, Hillary has to put up with it. It's, it's nothing like that. The bottom line of it is it started off with Hillary, who realized that she didn't have any really good political skills. She's not magnetic. She's not gregarious. She could never travel on her own. Bill could. But Hillary is like, I need to find a way to glue this guy, Bill, to me so that he can be my pitch man for life. 
And so this whole, you know, twisted Clinton marriage is based upon Hillary needing to sort of discover something about Bill that would keep him latched onto her for 35 years uh, and make him do the kind of deceitful but silver-tongued performance that he did at the Democratic National Convention. So they're pulling it off, and yet at the bottom of it, I think we all know what's going on. How do, how do, how do you, uh, what's your suggestion? How do we get the people who need to see this movie between now and November 8th? How do we, how do we trick well, them into getting you know the, the best way? The movie's doing well in the theater. It's going to do fine. But here's the thing. Uh, Trump and the Republican Party and the Super PACs, they have the ability to take the DVD of this movie in early October and drop it in the mailboxes of every independent voter. They have the ability to put this movie in front of black churches, in front of Latinos. So they need to get behind. I don't have the resources to do that, uh, and so I'm not going to be doing that. But they can. Uh, to date, I haven't heard a whisper from the RNC, which to me is a little bizarre, because if I was Michael Moore, the whole Democratic Party would be behind me. So we'll see. The movie's out there. It's doing what it is. People are talking about it. Um, it's, it's one of the most interesting things in the campaign right now. And I'm just hoping that the Republicans have a brain and that they see, wow, this is something that this, this is a messaging that we can't do. It's, it's, it, it, makes, it, it conveys ideas and information in a cinematic, not only intellectually, but emotionally powerful way. And so they have the ability to get it out if they choose to do so. I know uh, when 2016 came out on video, I bought uh, 50 copies of it and uh, and gave it out to all my employees, which was only 50 at the time. Now it's 150. Um, and the uh, and I said, if you've seen it, watch it again and then give it to somebody else. But watch it tonight and give it to somebody else because we had you. It came out on video like two weeks before uh, two weeks before the election. I. I have a mailed one to my uh, to my Jewish Democrat sister in Pennsylvania, uh, who was actually. Uh, uh, I said, just please watch this before you vote. I don't think she's watched it yet. Very interesting. Well, I appreciate that. It's, you know, we we always rely on people to help us get the word out. Word of mouth is one of the best things going for this movie, and um, so I'm I'm thrilled with its early reception. And uh, and the book, uh, you know, the book is basically the the documentation. The movie makes startling claims. At one point, I say that in 1860, the year of the Civil War, no Republican owned a slave. All the slaves in the entire country were owned by Democrats. And that's caused some people's jaws to drop. And they go, wow, wow, is that really true? And I'm like, well, you can disprove it by simply giving me a list of Republicans who own slaves. But no one's been able to do it because they can't. And so the, this, is a, this is a movie and a book that can change minds if we can get it in front of the right people. Which we, which we need to do. Dinesh, speaking of your book, Stealing America, I read it uh, several months ago. And the funny thing is, uh, I'm about three quarters of the way through it. And you may be aware of this, you may not. But a little slip of paper falls out of the book. And it says, this book is filled with lies and distortions designed to trick the working class citizens to support the richest 0.1%. Then it says, learn the truth at conservativemyths.com. Well, for one thing, I thought, gosh, Dinesh, you don't want to alienate the 99% of the top 1% by focusing on the 0.1%. But then, then it also has like a link to some debate you had with a guy named Tom Hartman, where you basically pretty much just tore his head off anyways. Uh, the, the point is that they're so intimidated and afraid of you that some loser out there who probably lives with his mom is going around all the Barnes and Nobles and sticking little slips of paper in all of your books. I find that pretty amusing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm so used to this stuff. Literally, they, they pay people to go on my social media to trash me. So, you know, if I put out a tweet or put something up on Facebook, they have 40 guys who, you know, again, these are guys who are basically jobless, <laughs> just out there, uh, professional kind of Dinesh underminers. 
But, and I think, you know, they're trying to demoralize me. And, and maybe for a normal person, they would be demoralized. It's part of my peculiar constitution that I find this whole thing highly amusing and entertaining and only fires me up. Good for you. Good Us for too. you. Hey, we're gonna, you're gonna, you're coming out to the Doubletree in Ontario, you and Larry Elder, to make an appearance uh, next Wednesday night. Uh, I think the, I think the event is uh, about sold. It's almost sold out. If you want to get uh, tickets that are remaining, check on am590theanswer.com. And uh, what what sh- what should we expect to see on uh, Wednesday night, Dinesh? Um, guys, I, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm living day to day, just wondering where my next meal is coming from. And uh, <laughs> we'll, so we'll take I you out to if that's tell a- you. But let me just say, it'll be it, it's it's going to be worth it. It'll going to be worth the trip. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you. Anything else, Scott? Yeah, Dinesh, I have one final question for you. And this is a question that I heard you answer. And the answer for me was so profound that I wanted our listeners who haven't heard you answer this question, answer it on the show. And this question is quite simple. Why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing it ultimately because I believe in the American dream. I came from a country, India, that is run by gangs in which there's a lot of corruption, a lot of bribery. People go into politics to make money and they loot the treasury. Uh, So I wanted to come to a country where there are ladders of opportunity, where I can write the script of my own life. Uh, It seems to be that's really at the end of the day what my politics is based on. And so I'm making these movies to protect and defend the American dream that has meant so much in my own life and that I hope will, 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 will stay alive for my daughter and for the countless other people here in America. Does it, frust- does it frustrate you uh, that, that uh, the people that really need to learn, learn everything that you're teaching them in these movies and in your books uh, don't take the time away from watching the, uh, the Lakers or the Dodgers to, uh, to uh, go see them? Well, people don't know the, the how fragile this whole thing is. I mean, the, the, you know, and our country is built in such a way that you don't need normally to spend all your time on politics. Just like you don't need, you know, to normally figure out the blueprints to your own house. You just lie on the couch, you walk in the hallways. It's really only when your house begins to shake and you say, "Hey, I better get up in the attic. I better look up those blueprints." So similarly, now we're at a time in our country where we need to know how this country was put together, what makes America unique. We actually have some very shady characters. Who are trying to make their way to the very top, um, and so I don't. I'm not one of these guys who goes, you know, America's finished and so on. But on the other hand, I do think that the American dream is, is more fragile than I've seen it in my lifetime, uh, and I think we need to put our, our hands to the wheel to do our part. Very profound. Very yep. profound. I'm going to use that uh, in uh, in other aspects of my life besides uh, politics. I like that. Dinesh, we will see you Wednesday night. Wednesday night, Ontario Doubletree. Looking uh, forward to it, guys. And if I may say, Hillary's America, the movie.com, that's the website. You can plug in your zip code and find out where the movie's playing near you. That's how I found it. That was good, wasn't it? That was very good. That was very good. We'll look forward to seeing him on Wednesday. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And uh, have you? how many times have you seen this movie? I've only seen it once, Me actually. Too. Yeah. I have to go see it again before next Wednesday, because I'm sure there'll be more, more, more things I'll see in it so we can... Uh, so we can uh, ask more intelligent questions when we get to meet him in person. Definitely. Definitely. Well, it was also good. I think we had an opportunity to get a little bit of his perspective on Donald Trump. I hadn't heard that before. Um, and it was actually kind of interesting. I know the other day um, I was driving my wife's van and it breaks down and I had to call a tow truck driver. I had called AAA. You know, AAA is great. Uh, tow truck driver comes, take my wife's van. The tow truck driver's black. And we're just chatting about different things. And at one point uh, we're driving in his truck 
And I asked him, I said, so what do you think about, you know, the election? He says, oh, it's pretty crazy. I said, yeah, you know, and I figured once in a while I try and do my own, like inform a little survey of people just to kind of get a feel for what, what people are thinking. And he said, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Some of the things Trump's saying are pretty crazy, but I think he's right on. And I said, well, what, what do you mean about what? And he talked specifically about the economy, bringing jobs back, bringing manufacturing back. And what he said was, he goes, you know, my parents had a better job than I do. Like I'm doing less well than, than they did. And, and he saw a direct result of that from Obamacare. And, and I asked him, so what do you mean? He says, well, when Obamacare went through, he, see, he noticed his paycheck, you know, came right out of his paycheck and he was actually bringing home less. And I said, well, did you vote for Obama? And he said, yes. And that was a mistake. He said, I should have known better, you know, but a lot of what he said were lies. And then I said, well, what do you think about Hillary Clinton? And he says, oh, come on. You know, she got away with, with the email scandal. She's above the law. And I'm thinking, wow, okay. You know, so what, what are you going to do? You know, what, are, are you going to vote? He goes, oh yeah, I'm voting for Trump. He says, I'm voting for Trump. And, and he's, and then he finally asked me, he goes, what do you, what do you think? Cause I didn't really give away the fact that I'm kind of a right winger or whatever. And I said, well, you know, I think you've talked me into voting for Trump. And, uh, and he just kind of laughed. And I think the significance of that, and you could say, okay, Scott, that's only a survey of one person. What does that really mean? Why I think that's significant, Ed, is because I've been told 95% of black voters are voting Democrat no matter what. So you would think then the odds of me stumbling across a random guy in the street, black gentleman who's a registered Democrat in California, 95% odds I would get a Hillary voter, but I didn't. And I think what's significant about that is he's not alone, Ed. He's not alone. They're not going to get 95% of the black vote this time around. I think I think as the uh, as the heat from the Democrat convention um, cools down. You're going to start to see the stuff that the stuff that um, Trump says makes more sense. And Hillary, Hillary, I mean, did you see her eyes at the convention when she's when she's uh, some of the clips, some of the clips from the her speech on Thursday night last week? She is evil. She looks a little satanic. Ed, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, <laughs> when she talked on Chris Matthews, uh, the she goes, oh, the worst thing I was worried about is just getting overcome by emotion and starting to cry on stage. Give me a break. If there's no emotion there at all. There's no soul there at there's all. There's no right? soul, no heart. Uh-uh. She's, how do you say that? Beelzebub? Beel, it's actually pronounced Be- Beelzebub. Yeah, I, I first called it Beelzebub, and I was mistaken. It's actually Beelzebub. And I think we just call her Satan. It's easier. Pretty much. Well, I know Trump just referred to her as the devil uh, recently, and I thought, you know what? I thought we had dibs on that line. Uh, we did. We came up with the first. He's he's plagiarizing our speech. Okay, very good. We should bring that up. All right. Hey, we're out of time again, so uh, thanks for joining me uh, this week on the uh, main event there, Scotty. Ed, it's always a pleasure. All right. Hey, uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. I'll be back again with you next week.